take our Bibles this morning, turn to the book of Acts chapter number 12. Acts chapter number 12, it says in verse 1, Now about that time Herod the king stretched forth his hand to vex certain of the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. Now James was one of the twelve. James was a disciple. James was an apostle. And many of us believe James was the first pastor of the first church after Jesus. And because he was such a prominent, mem uh, prominent figurehead for Christianity in that day and time, Herod had him killed. It says in verse 3, And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Now, who's a bigger figurehead in all of Christianity other than the Lord himself than Peter? Right? If you, don't, if you know any other person in the Bible, in the New Testament at least, other than Jesus, it's probably going to be Peter. Maybe Paul, but Peter's a good contender there. Uh, Peter's very famous uh, for people that know the scriptures. That's one of the first people you get to know. You get to know Peter. Verse 4 says, when they had apprehended him, when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. <clears throat> this morning, the title of our sermon is Thriving in harsh conditions. <clears throat> Thriving in harsh conditions. You see, you know what, let's pray and then we'll jump into it. Our Heavenly Father, we love you so much. We're so grateful for all that you do for us. Father, I pray this morning you'd bless the sermon. It would be encouraging and uplifting and instructive to each and every one of us and that you would help us to grow in the way of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we love you, thank you, and ask you these things in Christ's name. Amen. Nobody likes living in harsh conditions. Nobody does. You want proof of that? Go back and look the last few years with the coronavirus. That wasn't fun for anybody. There was a lot of us that lost someone during that time. There's a lot of us that got sick during that time. It's a painful thing. It, it changed the whole world. Uh, all of our jobs for at least a portion of time uh, became remote. There's a portion of the time you weren't allowed to leave your front door. You had to stay at home. Uh, and then many of us, for a long period even after that, were working from home, if at all possible. It was harsh conditions for sure. Uh, numbers were being thrown at us. Uh, many of us didn't know what it meant or what was going to happen. It was a harsh condition. You know, whether or not it's a global pandemic or if it's just a period of life you're going through. Nobody enjoys harsh conditions. Maybe you're in between jobs right now. That can be harsh. It can be hard. It can be terrifying. You're leaving one job and you're trying to find another and you're sort of stuck in between two things. 
I've, I've had it had before where you're leaving one job to go to another job and after you've left this job, that job decided, well, you know what, we're going to go in a different direction after all. So then you really are stuck between two things and it can be very scary. Maybe you're in between uh, something else in your life. Maybe you're coming off the end of a serious relationship that didn't work out. That can be harsh as well. Maybe you tried to accomplish something, and no matter how hard you tried, you just couldn't succeed in the most earthly sense. And that, too, can be harsh. But you know, for the Christian, harsh conditions afford us an opportunity. We can do more than just survive. Did you know that? That for the Christian, you can do more than just survive harsh conditions. You can thrive in harsh conditions. We're going to look at a story here where the church, not just Peter, but especially Peter, is going through an extremely difficult time. There, whom I believe to be their first pastor after the Lord, was just slaughtered by their government. And now the next more, most prominent apostle is arrested and awaiting his own execution. Imagine living in these times. Now, we don't worry about it because we live in this day and age. We know what happened. We read the back of the book. We know we win, right? We're here. Churches still exist. We know that the Lord won. But imagine being in this story, you don't know what's going to happen. It can be very scary. You know, that's what happens in our life. As the Lord is writing the book of our life, we're living in a story somebody else in the future is going to read about, someone else is going to hear about, and they're going to like the story, but maybe they, uh, they're not so worried about it. Maybe they don't get as emotionally invested because they know how it ends. But you're living it right now, and it's very scary for you because you don't know how your story is going to end up. The church was being very harshly persecuted. But we see the story continue for Peter in verse 5. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, it says. But prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And when Herod would have brought him forth, the same night Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, uh, bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. And behold, this is where something amazing happens. The angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison, and he smote Peter on the side and raised him up saying, Arise up quickly, and his chains fell off from his hands. And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself, and bind on thy sandals. And so he did, and he said unto him, Cast thy garment about thee, and follow me. And he went out and followed him, and wist not that it was true which was done by the angel, but thought he, had, thought he saw a vision. When they were past the first and second ward, 
they came unto the iron gate that leadeth unto the city, which opened to them of his own accord. Now that's amazing. Did you catch that? The gate opened because it wanted to. The gate obeyed the angel of the Lord. Verse 10 says, Which opened unto them of his own accord, and they went out and passed on through one street, and forthwith the angel departed from him. And when Peter was come to himself, which I imagine took a few minutes, after something as amazing as all of that, probably take a few minutes to come to yourself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord hath sent that the Lord hath sent his angel and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. So we see number one this morning is escaping the prison. And when we're talking about escaping the prison, it says there in verse five that prayer was made. Right, that prayer was made uh, of the people of that church, and we read that their prayers were answered. They asked, and they received. Jesus said in the Gospels, you have not, because you ask not. There is power in prayer. How often our wishes and desires go ungiven and unanswered simply because we didn't ask. There is power in your prayer. But notice this prayer specifically, it was given a little detail about. It says that prayer was made without ceasing. Now this can be accomplished a couple of different ways. Uh, either what this means is that they had, <clears throat> what some people do, is they'll have a, a prayer watch. I don't know if you've heard of this before. Some of you may have, may have. But in a prayer watch, you have a certain slot of time that you sign up to pray. And you're going to pray for that amount of time. And then when you're done, the next person who signed up for that amount of time, they'll start praying. And uh, it goes around the clock like that uh, so that uh, in a 24-hour period, somebody is praying for whatever it is uh, continuously for 24 hours without ceasing. And that is one way that is accomplished. But what I believe was happening here is the second way that can be accomplished. They were all together uh, praying consistently for hours and hours, each of them. Not one at a time, but all together praying for Peter without ceasing. That's an amazing thing. If I were to ask you this morning to sit silently with me for a certain period of time, I guarantee you, if you weren't watching, if you just sat there with your eyes closed in total silence and I picked a specific amount of time and you lifted your head up and you would say that must have been five minutes. Some might even go as far as to say 10 minutes. Some people might even say 20 minutes, uh, even if it had just been one single minute. And why is that? It's because prayer has become work to us. Prayer is something that's become very ceremonious, if you will. It's become something we do where there's rituals involved, right? Uh, for some, they have prayers written down for them. 
and they just recite those prayers. That's not true prayer. Uh, for some, prayer is only prayer if your eyes are closed, your head is bowed, your hands are folded, and you're talking like this. That's not necessarily the way we have to pray. Prayer, as you Christians probably already know, is just us talking to God. That's all it is. That can be accomplished anywhere. You can pray with your eyes closed while you're driving down the road. Not closed, open. Don't pray with your eyes closed while you're driving. That's a dangerous thing. Keep your eyes open, drive, but you can also still pray. Just talk into the Lord. I'll sit out in my front yard often in the mornings. I'll either go for a walk around the yard. We've got a little bit of land here, and so it's a lovely little walk. Uh, or I'll sit on the front porch in my uh, chair there and sit my coffee while I talk to the Lord. Or we've recently gotten an outdoor set where I've sat in every single morning since we've gotten it. And uh, that's a good time as well because Amanda's not a morning person, so I can get up kind of early and get out there before she's awake or anything. Uh, so that's, that's a good thing as well. But wherever it is that you are, and whenever it is that you do it, it's important that we pray. And when we have something important we need to pray for, we need to be seasoned and practice in praying to the point where we can really pray like this, consistently, continually. Have you ever prayed for an hour before? I'm not asking you to raise your hand. But just in your head, think about that. Have you ever prayed for one solid hour? Sounds like a long time, right? Well, used to, that wasn't such a long time. Anybody ever heard the song, you can raise your hand on this one, but has anybody ever heard the song, Sweet Hour of Prayer? Yeah. Sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer. That song was written like that because it wasn't so uncommon for people to have an hour of prayer every day. To just sit and pray to God for an hour. That's the kind of prayer that accesses the power of heaven. That's the kind of prayer that really gets a hold of God. And it doesn't have to be an hour. It can be a minute. It doesn't really matter how long it is. It's about the quality of the prayer. But once you get used to praying, you will pray like that. Sometimes you just get to talking to God and lose track. You ever, you ever got to talking to somebody and you just talk and enjoy the conversation so much you just lose track of time entirely? Before you know it, a, an hour or two has gone by and it doesn't feel like hardly any time at all has gone by. That is how prayer can be if we will practice it. It doesn't have to be for very long periods of time to be effective powerful prayer but that is the side effect of consistent daily prayer prayer was made without ceasing but also it says prayer was made of the church unto God for him when we pray we ought to pray specifics you'll notice that on our pre-show with all those prayer requests we have you'll never see me add to it so and so had an unspoken prayer request I will pray for an unspoken prayer request. I will tell people, announce it from the pulpit, so-and-so has an unspoken prayer request, please pray for them. But when it comes to the intro video, 
I want our people to be able to pray and pray in specifics. Now, I understand some things are personal and they're not something you want the public knowing. And I'm totally fine with that. That's why I announce it. That's why I pray for it. But when we pray, we should pray in specifics. You know why? Because that's how God answers prayer, in specifics. How are you going to know when an unspoken prayer request has been answered? How do you know when to stop praying for an unspoken prayer request? You know, we get in the habit of asking people to pray for things, and then we never tell them when that prayer has been answered. You're just left out there in, in sort of prayer world. Kind of floating around out there. So I've tried to make a habit as a pastor to go to people and say, how is this going for you? You know, are you better yet? Uh, has this problem been resolved yet? How is it going? And I try to do it in such a way so as not to be obnoxious about it. But I think it's important that when we pray, we pray in specifics because God will answer prayer in specifics. So we see that prayer was made. <clears throat> and then we see that Peter finds himself in a seemingly impossible situation. I doubt very seriously that Peter expected to make it out of the situation alive. He's sitting in a prison. Did you hear all the security the angel walked him out of? He was sleeping next to two soldiers. They're like, we saw what happened to that Jesus fellow. We're taking no chances with Peter. He's sleeping next to two armed soldiers. He is chained to both of them with two separate chains inside a maximum security prison, which is guarded by two wards outside of it and blocked by an iron gate. And then, on the street, they have soldiers patrolling that lead to the prison. They are taking no chances with Peter. They're like, he is not getting away this time. Well, guess what? He got away. But Peter finds himself in a pretty impossible situation. And much like Paul, Peter learned that in whatever state he finds himself, he should be content. Philippians 4.11, Paul says, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. You see, this isn't the Peter that we read about in the Gospels. This isn't that, uh, Lord, wash my hands, and the Lord, wash my head, and the Lord, wash me all over. That's not that Peter. I got it. Well, dizzy from that. This Peter is a more mature Peter. This Peter gets less concerned. He gets less, um, um, I don't know what the proper word would be here. You know those moments where, uh, like Jesus is being arrested and Peter takes out the sword, right? And he goes to take off Malchus's head. <laughs> misses and cuts off his ear. He's less like that. He's a more seasoned Peter. 
He's an older Peter, but he's a, he's a wiser Peter. And as he's sitting in this security, chained to two guards, surrounded by soldiers, two wards outside, an iron gate blocking him, and soldiers covering the road, he's not worried. Did you guys hear that? He's not worried. There are times I can turn on the 7 o'clock news and not accomplish that. <laughs> sitting in my living room drinking coffee with plenty of food, shelter over my head, functioning car in the driveway, plenty of clothes to put on, and I'll turn on the 7 o'clock news and they'll say something about Russia, they'll say something about the president, and I'm like, well, that's it, we're done. But we all get that way. Peter sitting inside a prison surrounded by sword-wielding soldiers that are just waiting for the command to off with his head. Red Queen style. And he's not worried. Whatever state I am in, therewith to be content. That was a hard lesson for me to learn. You know that? I thought when I was going to start this church, I'd start in Crum, we'd start in that little library, that community center. A few weeks would pass. We'd have 20, 25 people. Start really raising up a congregation we could afford, all those faithful tithers coming in, and we'd be able to afford to do something a little more permanent, you know? Be able to afford uh, uh, maybe a storefront or something. And we'd really be taken off from there. We were in Crumb for how many years? A year and a half? And uh, we didn't have any visitor. We had one. Brian, your brother, came and visited us one time, but he lives quite far away. so. But we had no visitors. So we didn't understand why. Then coronavirus hit and we were forced to, to have church here can I tell you guys I thought about for a while just closing the church to me this isn't real church this wasn't real church to me this was the, the greatest fear I had for our church who's going to go to a church in somebody's living room right? That's not real. And yet it's where we are. It is the state we find ourselves in. And I have learned in whatsoever state I'm in, therewith, to be content. Because you know, it was Herod talking bad about Peter, hated Peter, wanted Peter arrested and killed. And then it was the Jews who weren't Christians, didn't believe in Christ, that were glad to hear Peter was doing so poorly off. There are going to be people that are going to hate what you've decided to do. There are going to be people that rejoice when you fail. There are going to be people talking about you and glad to see you falling down, being discouraged, falling apart, they're going to be glad at that, but you can't live for those people. And let me tell you something. That's easy to say, and it's hard to do. Because 
it is the negative comments that catch our attention, isn't it? Right? Those are the shows that have the most high ratings or the ones with uh, friction. You know, There are TV reality shows where people are at each other's throats every single week. That's the one people like, people like to watch because they like the animosity. They like the friction. We focus so much on the negative. You could hear a thousand comments about how good you look in a day. But if one person insulted your outfit, that would be the one you thought about all day long. Right? You can work so hard to build something in your life, whatever it is. And you can have dozens and dozens of people telling you how good a job you're doing, how proud they are of you. But if there's one person in your life that insults what you're trying to do, that will be what you think about. And it's hard to do, easy to say, hard to do. We have to learn to live for the Lord, to live for the people that the Lord have put in our life and not for the naysayers and not for those that seek to go about spreading discouragement, but doing what we know to be right in the eyes of the Lord. Peter sinned, sitting in prison with no regrets because he's done everything he knows to be right. I mean, surely impossible. And yet, God sends 50 angels to come let him out, right? No, no, surely not 50. A legion, an army of angels to take on those Roman soldiers. Some of the best warriors the world has ever known. One angel. You read in the Old Testament what one angel did? Came to the camp of warriors waiting to take on Israel. Prayed to the Lord and the Lord delivered them by sending one angel. Let me tell you something. When they woke up the next morning and came out to the battlefield, not a man left alive. One angel, thousands of warriors, gone. God sent one angel to free Peter. And I love the, the imagery of this moment. I wish I had like a, like a sword or something in my hand. He comes up to Peter. Peter's sleeping like a baby, peaceful, not a worry in the world. Almost reminds me of what he saw Jesus do on the, on the boat, right? This is Peter's boat different Peter now coming back to Jesus Lord Lord carest thou not that we perish Peter's a little country to me I don't know why <laughs> and now we see Peter and he's in this maximum security prison sleeping like a baby just as he saw the Lord do on the back of that boat and the angel comes up to him and taps him sort of knocks him hey wake up Looks up and sees some guy glowing in front of him. Surely I'm hallucinating right now, right? This is a vision. You know, this isn't real. He says, get up. Peter goes to get up and the chains just fall right off of him. He says, come on. So they start walking. And they walk out of the prison. They walk out of the first ward. Nobody's seeing them. They walk out of the second ward. They come up to the iron gate. I'm sure Peter's thinking, well, I guess what? We turn around and go home now? 
the gate opens. They walk out of the gate. They walk past that first street that they've got guards patrolling in. And as soon as they're out of sight, that angel disappears. Good seeing you, Peter. And he's gone. And it takes Peter a few minutes to realize what had just happened. God sent an angel to save Peter. You know, God sends people into our life. People that are a great help to us as well. And we ought to be grateful for them. Both to God and to those people. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 11.9, And when I was present with you and wanted, I was chargeable to no man. For that which was lacking to me, the brethren which came from Macedonia supplied. And in all things I have kept myself from being burdensome unto you, and so will I keep myself. In other words, the Lord sent the Macedonians to Paul to give him exactly what he needed, exactly when he needed it. He sent Paul the Macedonians, and they were a blessing to him. And when you are in great need in your life, God is not without power and is able to send you exactly what you need, exactly when you need it, at exactly the right moment. But you know, that's the thing, isn't it? We want it, we want it now, we don't want to have to worry about it. And God says, no, I do want you to worry about it. Did you know God wants you to be in a situation that would be worrisome? Do you know that? He wants you to be in situations that cause worry. Because he wants you to have faith instead. Sure, it would have been easy for God to go, no more Egyptians. Get you a boat and wait over the Red Sea. But he wanted those Israelites stuck between a rock and a hard place so they could learn to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Sure, it would have been easy if Joshua would have went into the promised land and all of a sudden no more warring nations. Have at it. You're good to go. But God wanted Joshua to be in the middle of a battle between ten armies. Still winning. But daylight's running out. They're running out of time so he could lift up his hand and tell the sun to be still in the sky. And it did it. And I still can't explain the physics of that to you other than the fact that God said for it to work and it did. That shouldn't be possible. If we stopped rotating around the sun, we should all float off into space because gravity stopped working. Amongst other things. But it happened. And it's recorded for us only because... They were fighting against 13 warring nations. It would have been easy for Jesus to jump off of that cross and save himself the pain. We would not be saved today. We would be without hope in the world. And in your own life, it's easy. Folks, it's easy to say, just take it away from me. Just take my worries, take my fears, and just take it away from me. But let me tell you something. God wants those things in your life so that when the time comes, 
you can choose to have faith in God instead. And you can see like Moses, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Not without the problem, but through it. So that you can see like Joshua, that no matter how many come against you, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. If God be for us, who can be against us? Not that there isn't anybody against us, but when they come against you, you've got God on your side and you cannot fail. And let me tell you something. Things may get rocky. They may get rough. People may sneer at you, call you a failure, call you a loser, think the world against you. But if you've got God on your side, you can't lose. It's not a matter of failing. It's a matter of timing. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Peter, we don't know how long he was in that prison. We know he was sleeping. So he had probably been in there for at least most of a day, if not more. God made him wait a little bit before sending that angel because he wanted Peter to show off his faith. So this week, folks, as we're out in the world, we're doing our thing, we're working, we're taking kids to school, we're taking care of the house, we're working from home, we're dealing with people, whatever it is that you do during the week as you're out there in the world living life. Think of them as opportunities for faith, opportunities to succeed in your spirit because they're not failures, not so long as we remain true to the Lord.